Facebook famously determined that if a new member invited 10 friends within 14 days, they were hooked for life. So they focused religiously on driving the user experience to this key metric. If you apply this product-based approach to B2B sales, then you can identify those users that are ready to talk. And this method is known as the Product Qualified Lead, or PQL. So if you sell in a freemium, open source, or trial model, then the PQL method is critical to give your sales team visibility into who is ready to talk. So talk to your data team, or better yet, partner with Whaler's team of data scientists to develop a PQL model tailored specifically for your business. You'll be empowered by knowing exactly when a user is ready to convert. To see specific examples, go to getwhaler.com forward slash Andy. That's G-E-T-W-H-A-L-R dot com forward slash Andy. And as a bonus, if you sign up to learn more about Whaler and PQLs, then Whaler will send you their optimized two-page master services contract that you can leverage for your own business free of charge. It's time to accelerate. Hi, this is Andy. Welcome to another edition of Frontline Friday with my regular and very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Now, before we get to the show, Bridget and I have a favor to ask of you. We'd really appreciate it. If you took time right now to leave a review for this show on iTunes, and while you're there, click the button, subscribe to Accelerate, make sure you get Frontline Friday automatically each week. Also, we need to hear from you. More specifically, we need your sales questions. I mean, what can we answer for you? What challenges do you have that we can help you with? So go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline and enter your question there. Each month, we're going to select one listener's question to be the question of the month. And the winner will receive a $50 Amazon gift card. So remember, go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline to give us your question and maybe win 50 bucks. So Bridget, how are you today? Andy, I would have introduced you if you forgot. Oh, that's good. That's good. Next yeah. time, maybe I should open. Let's do that. That's we'll good. We'll mix it up a bit. Yeah. We'll mix right. it up. All right. So you have to remind me. I'll write a note here, but you have to remind me All right. that, that we do that. All right. All yeah, right. That, that sounds would, great. That would shake people shake up. It up. Shake yeah, it up. Yeah, because it's, it's, right. We've done more than 100 of these. We got to, uh, we got to add some diversity. Well, we are. We're, shake we're, it up. We're adding guests. and I like it. I like it. And we're dressing up to do it these days, which we haven't been doing in the past. <laughs> we're dressing up. I'm, just I'm always, I know, I'm always dressing up because I'm in the office. That's right. Yeah. I come in in a formal gown Yeah. and heels. Yeah. Your standard of, of casual is probably That's more, my standard. That's more right. elevated than my standard of casual. And elegant. Yeah. I mean, it's cold enough now. I've had, I've had to put the shorts away have to actually wear, you know, pants, so on. So, yeah, yeah. And did you get your run in this morning? I was thinking about you. I did my run this morning. You know the answer to that. You did. Of course you did. Did the sun come up? Did the sun come yes. up? Yes. Did the sun come up? It looked, yes, and it was I did. A very pretty sunrise this morning. It's in, beautiful. In New York, I, I, I should have stopped and taken pictures. I was, you know, running through Central Park as I... Mostly do and and yeah, that's just the sun, rising sun hitting the buildings on Central Park South was overlooking the Great Lawn where they hold all mm. the, all the concerts and so on. That's that pretty cool. So, but I was yeah, too busy and worried about where I was going. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to be. That's right. You got to at least be looking ahead, especially if it's dark when you're running. Yeah, it was it was mostly dark. So, all right. but hey. Yeah, you know, actually, since we last—well, not since we last talked, but a couple of weeks ago—I did my half marathon, 
So congratulations. Thank you. It's our annual with my sister run annual half marathon in in Maui. And uh, that was successful. Got to the That's finish great. line. That's great. That's what matters. Yes. Yeah. No no and personal she, and, records. So. And she did as well. Yeah, well, we ran together. Good. Yeah. So team effort. Couple of old people crossing the finish line. That's just as we as we showed up. Oh, look at those old people. We didn't know the elderly were running this year. So yeah. <laughs> they have a special category for <laughs> special you, I'm category, sure. Right. All right. So we have a guest with us today. Joining us Fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Of course it's fantastic. Is uh, David Kerr, CEO of Octave. David, how are you? Good, Andy. I'm good, Bridget. I'm glad you guys told me to uh, be prepared and dress up. I, yeah. I came in the tux today. So. Good. Oh, good, David. Good. Phew. Should or, go with its gown and heels. Right. We're, we're changing the name of the show from Frontline Fridays to Formal Fridays. And formal Fridays. Formal Fridays. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be in formal wear oh, maybe for the rest of the year. Maybe some, through New Year's, maybe. Good. Good. Yeah, well, God, we got you the memo. So uh, I was just looking at your your Skype profile picture here. Is are those your kids? Those are my kids. I, I probably should update it. They've grown just a bit, but yes, those are my kids. Two of them are in college now. So oh, they're both in college now. And two, yeah. So it's a little few years ago. Okay. And who are who are which? Where do they go? I mean, in terms of what teams are you supporting with your your tuition these days? You know, I'm supporting with plenty of tuition, but not any big teams. So these small liberal arts colleges, you know, okay. get, you, get you educated to read and to write, but but not necessarily uh, a job or a <laughs> big, big mascot or a team. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. They'll come out with something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, somebody asked me the question. I was on a, a podcast just this, earlier this week, and somebody had asked me a question, because I'm a history major. You know, if I had had the opportunity to go back... Would I do it again? And um, Andy and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it probably not. I mean, you know, go to school these days. I mean, I, everybody's sort of more vocationally oriented, right? A little more job oriented. I I probably be like everybody else. I I mean, most of my friends undergraduate are either going to med school or law school or on to biz school, and I. I was just happy to graduate. <laughs> so I, I wasn't even planning that far in advance. So I don't know. Maybe I'd be more type A like many of our college kids are these days. And I'd be, uh, you know, doing a startup in my dorm room. I don't know. How about you, Bridget? Would you do it? What would you major in? Well, God, I was so confused. I was so confused. I was English in business, but then I was a TA for three years in the engineering school. So I couldn't really decide how'd what you, I wanted to do. How'd you so, go be a TA in engineering without an engineering degree? It was an entry-level class. <laughs> I started as a math major. Oh, okay. <laughs> <So> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, indecisive much? Yeah, kind of. Ind- just uh, indecisive. I like a lot of things. Like, I loved math. Uh, literature was probably the hardest for me. Um, I'm not. Not a good writer. I don't like to write. I love to read, but I don't like to write. And mm-hmm. I thought learning how to—I mean, it's—it's it's so much writing. It's why I ended up choosing it. So I don't know that I would—I don't know that I would choose that again. I might choose. Gosh, what would I do? Uh, history. I love history because I didn't do that last time. Um, yeah, I would pick something new. 
Okay. David, you? Probably several things. So I was liberal arts, politics. Uh, I would do it again. I, yeah. You know, I just, I enjoyed it. It was history, economics, political science-esque, English, all those things. Sure. And even though I'm at a tech company and we have lots of engineers and lots of folks with technical abilities, I think having the ability to read and write critically and think critically is a missing skill these days for lots of folks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, so I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, so I think I probably would do it again unless I had a real aptitude for computer engineering. And then I probably would just head right down that path. But I don't. <laughs> so I'd stay, with, I'd stay with the liberal arts uh, approach and, and, and learn how to read and, and write and think critically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love history. I still read voraciously about history and, and so on. But um, I don't know. I just think, you know, all of us, we'd just be so different, right? Growing up this day and age. I mean, because there's so much more pressure to, from an earlier age, you know, to get the good grades. You can go to a good school to, you know, choose what you want to do from almost the get go. I mean, at least the college students that, that I've been talking to over the last several years, it's like, they know going in almost what they want to do. And I, I, <laughs> I certainly didn't have that issue when I was going to school. I mean, I said I was probably the last minute deciding what it is I was going to major in. So I just think like we'd all be sort of influenced by that if, if sort of seeing how we turned out to be. Don't disagree. Can't disagree. All right. So uh, enough chit chat. So, so tell us a little bit about Octave and what you guys do. Sure. Thanks for asking. So Octave is focused on the sales productivity and sales enablement space. So what we do is we look at solving this problem of what's called seller's burden. Seller's uh, burden. Okay. Seller's burden. Um, through the use of technology. And what our technology does is we do document generation around all kinds of sales documents. So proposals, presentations, contracts, and we automate all of those. We standardize them and we automate them. And so it, it helps to drive sales efficiency, sales effectiveness across those sales teams. All right. So seller's burden, what, what's your definition? So seller's burden, my definition, and you know, some of this is influenced by uh, folks at, at some of the analyst firms, certainly, but I, I see a seller's burden as being kind of threefold. One, you have all kinds of internal complexity. So you are dealing with approvals from finance or from compliance or from legal or pricing from your boss or whatever it might be, your sales manager. Then you've got product complexity. So we're asking sales teams to deal with all kinds of different SKUs for the product, uh, different configurations of that product. So lots of product complexity. And then the third element would be the external complexity. So when you're selling into an enterprise or even a small business, you've got a variety of different decision makers and influencers. And uh, so there's just, there's lots of complexity that a salesperson has to deal with these days. And they've always had to deal with. Yeah. Well, you sort of read my mind. I mean, is, is it different? I mean, is it more, I mean, I, I, I know everybody says it's more complex. I, I'm not somebody that necessarily buys that it's that much more complex than it's ever been. But what do you think? No, I, I don't disagree with you. I don't know that it's that much more complex than it's ever been. I think potentially there's kind of an increase of uh, volume and investigation and discovery that occurs. So you mm-hmm. need to figure out how you sort through that and manage through that in a different way. Um, you know, a little tangent off of our chit chat, but I think about 
kids applying to college now. I applied to three. Yeah, uh, me too. That was a lot back then. Now kids, you know, they'll apply to 15 to 20 because it's so easy because everything's automated. Yeah, and, uh, the I common think, app, yeah. Yeah, the common app. I think people kind of in the sales process, it's really easy to go out and do a lot of uh, online investigation and get a lot of free demos or free looks of things. And so anyway, I think there's not necessarily increased complexity, but I think there's sometimes maybe increased volume and, and uh, demand for detail and things such as that. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Bridget? Yeah, I don't know that I don't know that it's uh, um, I don't know that it's more complex, but probably the volume has increased in SaaS businesses. I think just the volume in and of itself has increased. Um, the volume, I think re- meaning quantity the vol- or, or the volume yeah, of the, noise that's the, they have to well, deal with? Well, both. Both. I think, let's say the number of deals that that a team is managing, I think that's gone up there. Mm-hmm. Sure. I just know in our business, there's, there's more volume. So just more documents, maybe not necessarily per deal, but there are more documents that a team needs to uh, uh, track. I would say the other thing is when reps aren't staying at companies as long as they did in the day, um, just having to train and retrain people and knowing where the documents are and which ones to use, there there is that burden of having to continually train, retrain. So having a system or way to do that more easily, I think super beneficial. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a that's a key point. You know, with all the the turnover that that uh, seems to be at least in certain roles, it seems like turnover having more frequently churn of of sales employees than than maybe historically has seen. I don't know. I haven't seen any data on that, but it it certainly sort of feels that way given sort of the way we structure sales these days. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so David, you had Changed the name of the company. It had been Tinderbox before. So, what was the what was the reason for the change? Or can we guess? <laughs> you guys want to take a guess? Oh, well, there's another company that sounds. So you're over. People thought you were a dating app for uh, for business or something. Or damn millennials, they uh, they ruined it. No, uh, love the millennials. Yes, that that uh, that company called Tinder. Uh, even though we had the name Tinderbox beforehand. Turns out uh, that became a little had a little more notoriety than uh, Tinderbox did. You know, we we if you talk to our the marketing firm we worked with and so forth, we talked about the maturation of our business and we need to have something that was a little more sophisticated and these sorts of things. But but in reality, yeah, when, when we're going to Salesforce Trailblazer shows or uh, regional shows and so forth, and you've got people coming up and taking pictures of your booth, not because they want to uh, engage with the company, because they think it's a little bit humorous. They, you know, the society knows <laughs> right time to make that change. So. Yeah, not 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 the kind of um, notoriety you were looking for. No, it's not. I mean, it is amazing though, and I suppose maybe shouldn't be surprising. You know, we still go to places, and uh, we'll be at a you know whatever a, a Gartner show or a Salesforce show or something along these lines, and people go, you know, I used to know a company. We we used to talk to a company, and they were what were they? And we'll go oh, Tinderbox. I'm like, yeah. So there was we we had I think more brand equity than we we knew we had, but I, it's because that Tinder name is uh, pretty memorable. So <laughs> well, and maybe anyway. yeah, and maybe just to serve. 
you know, sort of a, a clumsy segue with with what we were talking about before is is you know you talked about the three complexities that sort of comprise the the seller's burden. I mean, to me, really, the fourth one is is this idea that people are just distracted. I mean, I think that that's that's one that doesn't we talk about it at one level, but you know, the fact is that that you know, for the newer generations coming into the workforce that are you know, more digital natives, is you know, there's more I don't want to say seamlessly integrated, but I mean, there's certainly more. Uh, yeah, a bigger chunk of the lives is devoted to whether it's Instagram, Facebook, so on and so on, social yeah. media and so on, that, yeah, they're not setting aside, yeah, I'm going to set aside 10 minutes every hour and do that. I mean, it's sort of, like I said, there every minute of the day. And I just sort of curious, you know, it's just more distractions, more temptations. It's, it's, uh, that to me seems like part of the seller's burden as well. I, I don't disagree with you. It was interesting. I was just talking with uh, a colleague of mine and, and we, you know, as a typical SaaS business, uh, we have, lots of folks that are recently out of college or in that millennial group. And then we've got a handful of folks that I would like to call like myself, maybe more uh, senior or mature, whatever you want to call us old. Um, <laughs> and we were talking about Slack. So we use Slack in the, right. in the office. And <laughs> she was asking me, she's like, do you know, like, do you know exactly how to follow it? How like, like, yes. So we have, we have channels in Slack. If you're sure. not familiar with it, you can sure. create channels and so forth. And we have a, we have an everybody channel right. and we give out, we give out tacos. So I don't know if you're familiar with this whole concept, but, uh, they have this whole process. And essentially it's giving, it's giving rewards or a pat on the back to peers, um, all day long. Right. So somebody helps you out with a support case or somebody helps you out with, with whatever it is. You can give out five tacos a day and, and I'm telling you, the running thread on this thing of gifts and of, uh, you know, commendations, pats on the back, giving people a hard time. Uh, you, you talk about it, distraction. I mean, it's it's interesting and you can get the tone and flavor and vibe of the organization. But there's days I just I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I miss like, hey, just just send me a quick email um, that <laughs> here's here's what this team did or here's the improvements they made. Right. Um, but, you know, the rest the, and I. I find it fine and interesting, but the rest of the team, like literally it is up on their, on their laptop all day long. And it's in between solving cases, doing selling, uh, you're, you're running this, uh, this whole Slack channel, which is just kind of a running commentary during the day. Well, I think that that's one of the things why it makes us this issue of, you know, seller's burden or, or whatever we want to call this is such a difficult one because, yeah, if we keep talking about well, how much time percent of their time are are sellers actually devoted to selling, and you know, generally we tend to think that number is relatively low, but we really don't know, right? Because as I said, this is, I mean, Slack and the way you're using, it, the way you talk about the way conversations or people are having it, having on it, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it has beneficial effects, has uh, team building effects as well. But, you know, is it taking time away from other things? You really can't quantify that. Yeah, yeah we mean, use... I'm sorry, go ahead, Bridget. Yeah, we use Slack internally as well. And for some things, it's very efficient. But I personally dislike this interrupt-driven works workflow. It's, it's... For me, I have to turn channels off, um, especially when I'm trying to get certain projects done. But I do think... 
the Andy also to your point in selling, it's there are all these they're all it's so easy to be distracted. How how many hours are we really selling in a day? Yeah, well, and I think maybe it's impossible to to, to calculate, and that's that gets to a you know previous conversation Bridget you and I had, had with another guest about you know how do we know you know what's really working or not you know whether it's a sales process right. or so on because you know we've got all these different pieces playing into it. We look at our ultimate conversion rates maybe aren't as great as they could be, but we work backwards and it's like well yeah there's all these distractions and you know. Things that are pulling people one way versus another, and it's yeah. You know, sometimes I I wonder whether we can ever really untangle the knot. It's a good question. Don't don't disagree with that. I do think, uh, and certainly it's not the answer to all problems, but I do think where this is where digitization and automation can can help streamline and improve those things. So whether it's Certainly not just Octave, but whether it's Octave, but other other solutions as well. There's more and more solutions that are interpreting what's coming in your in your email, what stage that is, integrating with your CRM, and then recommending content to send at those times and so forth. I, I do think I do think there are certain technologies if applied correctly. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I would say navigate those distractions, but but. When when you do have the person focused on selling and not, right. not engaging those distractions, ideally you're able to uh, have more pinpoint accuracy potentially in what you're what you're delivering to the uh, the prospect or to the customer. Um, you know, I, ideally that's that's how that should uh, those things should should benefit you. Yeah, but I mean, using the example you gave, which is a great example, is is you can then also. Yeah, the first vision that came to my mind was, yeah, with all these tools and you've got AI analyzing emails and then saying, hey, based on the what we saw and the keywords is this is the content we should be sending and do you want me to send that? It's almost like, wow, we start seeing a lot of that happening sort of in an unattended fashion, mm-hmm. which which I know is is nirvana for, <laughs> for certain uh, investors, let's say. But, you know, you get further away from the customer. True. I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, you know, you see some of these social selling things and you, you know, it used to be you'd read an article that might be interesting to you, Andy, or to you, Bridget, and I'd send you a quick note and I'd say, hey, you know, read this and this seems applicable to some things you're working on. And it was personalized. I feel like I love some of the social selling things that kind of automate that process for you. So, you know, okay, Andy likes all, all articles related to this. And so then it feeds me every day and I can kind of send that mm-hmm. over to you. But you can feel pretty quickly when that becomes uh, less less human in, yeah. in, in in reality, and it becomes more automated, and then you just begin to dismiss those. Definitely. Well, well, I think that's I think that's one of the central challenges is of using technology and automation and so on. And and I phrase it as you know how do we how do we cross from personalization at scale to humanization at scale, All right? So and we're sort of mastering this idea of quote unquote personalizing, right? I mean, certainly all the automation vendors will tell you, yeah, you can, you know, do this mail merge and put the first name in and then, you know, we can, you know, tweak a sentence or something here or there. But basically what people talk about personalization, they're basically talking about putting a first name, you know, hey Andy. And that, that right. constitutes personalization. And to your point is is people understand very quickly that that, that isn't really I mean, yeah, it's personalized, but it's but it's not human. 
Right. right. So I think our I think one of our big challenges, and we're raising all sorts of big challenges, not answering necessarily any of them, but is yeah, how do we how to humanize at scale our communications? Bridget. Well, and when you say humanize, are, you're talking about not just the dear Bridget, as you said, but how do we make the communications humanize meaning more personal, personal or relevant? Yeah. Yeah, but, I think you've but, got but it. But really, got person it. to person, not personal in the big, the big scheme like we're using it now. Well, I, I mean, short of it's, it's not realistic or cost effective, and nor do customers want it in prospects to have face to face or even phone calls all the time. So I think there's, so if you can't meet them in person, which is the the best way to have it be personal. Like the because you get full co- full contact, all of the context as well. Mm-hmm. I always encourage reps. Number one is there is there some connection that you have to them, whether it's a person in common, is it um, a, a city you grew up, is it a school, is it an association? Like, can you find some connection to that person? So I think you have to do, you have to really dig, you have to do research, you have to be curious, and you have to go to find the connection because that's where, that's where, that's why we respond as humans is what is that connection between us? Mm -hmm. And so I really encourage uh, reps to find that connection and then include that connection in a, in an email, in a phone call if you are going face to face, but really trying to find where's that connection between me and you. And do they feel they have the, um, the time to do that research? Well, you have to, you can't go on an archeological dig to go find it, but I think, (laughs) but I mean, the beautiful worldwide web can, can surface things very quickly. So I think Five minutes, you can find a few things, mm-hmm. and depend and depending on the prospect, and depending on um, uh, the potential, let's say, value of what this opportunity might be, it may be worth doing more research than one that may be just a very small, more transactional deal. So I think you have to pair the research to what the potential outcome might be. Right. Yeah, and I, I would, I would echo what Bridget's saying. I mean, it's one of the reasons that I gravitate and we gravitate towards enterprise sales because I do think that human connection and that that understanding of the person. It, people like to buy from people that they know, that they appreciate, that they have something in common with. These sorts of things. So I, I would agree with it. It depends on the size. If it's much more transactional and it's more self-service, obviously you're not going to have that. But I do think for larger transactions and deal sizes, you want those. I, I can mm-hmm. think about time, and this was this was more like your archaeological dig, but I still remember it. Uh, a person was selling me, I don't know if I was, anyway, Groupon or Angie's List running a sales team, and it was a larger opportunity. And they sent me a, basically a coffee table history book um, around my, my college where I went to school. So they did a little wow. bit of research, and I got this, you know, package in the mail, but it was very personal and relatable. And, uh, you know, had interesting pictures of the campus and all these kinds of things. And you know what? I took their call and we had a conversation and 
you know, began to build a relationship. So th- that's a bit of the extreme. And back to Andy, you're, you're saying, hey, how do you scale that? And I, you, you can't necessarily do that at scale, but depends on what your target list is and, and what size the outcome could be. Yeah. Well, now instead of that book, and Bridget and I had a, a guest on the show a few weeks ago who, um, a company called Sendoso, familiar with them, that, that uh, basically facilitates gift giving uh, and, you know, ways to sort of, you know, encourage customers to take a call or to thank a customer for something or however you want to use it. But one right. of the best things they had was you could send a, a it could be a buyer, no prospect, a cookie that is their profile picture on LinkedIn. You know, they'll see the cookie. It's recognizably them. <laughs> it's the shape of the head with, with the icing doing all the details of the. <laughs> I thought, what? Well, I like that one. That's a cool one, right? We're using them, by the way. Oh, you are? Oh, good. Excellent. Yep. Have, yeah. you used, have, have you sent the cookie yet? Not yet. Not I, yet. You're supposed to send me one. Well, I haven't, we haven't started yet. So okay. we just signed up with them as actually as a result of that conversation we had. Yeah. I mean, they have all sorts of cool things, David, that uh... I will be looking them up afterwards. But one of the deals that we're just getting ready to close, a multi million dollar deal, we, when we went on our first on site, we took cookies. This is a particular a, a manufacturing type of distinctive colors and all these things. And we took a whole basket of cookies that were all their company colors and the shape of their different um that's great manufactured items and all these kinds of things and excellent it, people love them they do the little things those yeah, are just, yeah it's just a little thing well they become tiebreakers yeah potentially right at some point down the road yeah so all right well david it's been great to talk to you uh, unfortunately we got to wrap things up um how can people connect with you and find out more about octave sure well i've enjoyed the conversation as well People can connect with me at uh, david.kerr, K-E-R-R, at octave.com, or they can go to octave.com, which is O-C-T-I-V.com. Oh, excellent. All right. That's David Kerr at Octave, O-C-T-I-V. O-C-T-I-V. I was going to say that really quickly, and I blew it. O-C-T-I-V. Uh, very well done. Good job. So you were. You are. Next time, you introduce me. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to connect with you, David, on LinkedIn. Wonderful. I look forward to it. All right, David, thank you very much. Bridget, as always, fantastic. Friends, thank you for joining us. As always. Yes, and we'll talk to everyone again next week. Have a great one. Thank you.